Amber, what are you drinking today? I'm going to be sounding so lame right now. Uh, Keystone Lot. <laughs> and, like, I drank earlier. I drank some peanut butter whiskey. I drank some caramel salsa crown. I had some jello shots. I had a Michelob Ultra at Applebee's. But now I'm drinking Keystone Lot. That is a lot of things and none of them vodka. I know. No, my jello shots. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. With lemonade. It's actually lemonade vodka. Ooh. That sounds yeah. And instead of doing half water and, well, like half water and then half vodka and half water for the cold, it's half water, half vodka. Oh, there you go. So when I go to drink those or however, Is that the same recipe you used when we did our veterans trip to the Guadalupe? Yes. Oh, those were good. No. Yes. We didn't have, we had used Tito's for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But this, I don't, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have very many of them today. What are you drinking, Amanda? Well, today I'm taking it a little bit easy and I'm actually drinking a Golden Road Brewing Company mango wheat ale called Mango Cart. Well, that sounds like a combination that you would drink yeah that doesn't sound like vodka it's not vodka <laughs> it's not this is a non-vodka veterans drinking vodka episode today <laughs> we don't always have to drink vodka but until these, we get our sponsorship by these are delicious and it's light drinking i didn't feel like drinking heavy today so you know they're only like four percent they're like less than a seltzer and Dang. they're they're just kind of delicious it sounds good. It just that alcohol percentage kind of bums me out. I mean, it's what you drink when you don't really want to drink. It's true. Yeah. Well, welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member is easy, but being a veteran can be hard. In this episode, we are talking to. In this episode, we are talking to John Hornbaker. He served in the United States Army from 1993 until 2006 in the infantry. How are you today, John? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Hope everything is going well with y'all. Uh, I too am not drinking vodka. I've got some Knob Creek with a with a little Sprite. So some what? Whiskey. Knob Creek. Knob Creek whiskey. whiskey. That's um that's actually a veteran company, isn't it? Veteran owned think, and made whiskey. I think it is. I'm pretty sure that that is a veteran owned and operated company that makes that whiskey. Got to love our veterans. Cheers to our veterans. Cheers to our veterans. All right, John, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and kind of how your journey got started? Okay. Uh, well, I uh, oh, I started off in Cicero, Illinois, which is right outside the loop of Chicago. Seen, uh, seen a, a little on the bad side of things and decided that that was not for me and I needed to get out, which led me to the military. And I ended up settling in into checking out the Army one day. was like, hey, I think this is something I want to do. I actually met the, he was the E7 at the time. At the time, I didn't know any of this. I met the E7 there and this guy had the, the full stack rack. And everybody in that office, you could tell, just straight respected this guy. And while I was talking with my recruiter, I straight told him, I said, you know what? I can see that everybody respects it. I want a chance to earn that. That's what I want. And uh, my recruiter led me over and said, here, you talk to him. 
And next thing you know, uh, he's feeding me stories about his time as an infantryman, and I was sold on it. And it's just something that I really wanted to get involved with. So shortly after that, I ended up to uh, going down to Georgia, home of Wayward Boys, as we call it. It's uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. Back then, it was it was all infantry. Um, they've changed up quite a bit now. From there, I went to Germany. I did six years there. Loved it. The military then dropped me off here in Fort Riley, Kansas. I did another three years active, got out, did uh, National Guard for another three years, and ended up getting out all along the way, having all kinds of schools, deployments, training, a lot of fun. Some rough times, but a lot of really good memorable times. That's really cool. Did you have a favorite duty station? Well, you know what? Everybody's favorite duty station is usually their first one or it's been their last one. I want to say, I think Schweinfurt, Germany, was that was my first one. I really liked it. Uh, I got put in. Oh, no, I was just saying I called it. Like, I knew Germany was going to be your favorite. Oh, yeah, Germany was great. <laughs> Anyone and, and who's stationed overseas loves yeah, that overseas. Yeah, if you stationed overseas, like, Absolutely. it's almost guaranteed that it's going to be your favorite. Oh, yeah. It's rare that um, it's not. Yeah. I, I went there as an 18-year-old kid uh, oh. where it was legal for you to go into the bars and drink and everything. And you you developed a palate for good quality beer. I'm not talking at 18, 19 where you're drinking Natty Light, you know. It was some really <laughs> good stuff. Or Keystone. <laughs> Cheers to German beer. Oh, well, oh I still miss German. German beer. You're not the first one to tell me that, that like drinking beer oh. in Germany. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to say, Schweinfurt was my favorite. I, I really, when I got there, I went to, um, ended up in Alpha Company. I joined a, okay, so the battalion sergeant major was an old uh, battalion guy. I want to say a bat. Uh, he was a ranger who had brought that mentality with him. And they had different programs in the ranger bat, which he was bringing to the uh, the mechanized world there. So like I, I got the Germany as an 11 mic, which is mechanized for the Bradleys. But I never, I was never in a breath, except for right in the back once in a while, we'd use them as a taxi. I, yeah, I volunteered for the Thirst program, which was the long range reconnaissance and surveillance thing, which was awesome. I passed qualifications and tryouts and I made it and it was awesome. It's it's a five man team. It's kind of a little reconnaissance thing. If you've ever seen the movie The Lone Survivor, so all oh, the way I up into the, the part, yeah, all the way up to the point where before they got into a firefight, yeah, that's kind of what we did. We do long patrolling. Cool. We'd lay eyes on a target, and we'd usually dig in for three, four days, and just you take down all the information, you take pictures, you know, just everything from there. Then you would exfil. Then you would go to the you do like a debrief with S2 and company commanders, whoever was going to be involved in the, I don't want to say raid, but whoever was going to be in the involved in the seizing of whatever evidence, equipment, personnel, stuff like that, uh, who's, whoever is going to be in charge of that. Basically, we would do a sit down and, and we're, we're the guys that are the right hand for the company commander saying, check this building, take that vehicle, take this person, this person, this person, you know, because we sat there for three, four days watching everything. So it's one of those, this is this is the intel we're giving you, but this is what needs to, be, needs to get done. So. so did you know when you joined the Army 
did you know that that's what you're going to do or that that's what you want to do? Or it's kind of like I went in as infantry and this is where they put me and I just dug it and rocked it out. Right. Great question. Absolutely no clue what I was going to do. So when we got to Georgia, I was in a, uh, I was an 11 x ray right? Which is they can put you as a mortarman, uh, let's see, mortarman, a ground pound, ground pounder, a mechanized. Uh, at the time, we had hotels, uh, 11 hotels, which were is the tow firing system on a Humvee. So you could have fallen into any of those categories. I came in as 11, 11 X-ray. And I got slotted as an 11 Bravo, and I wanted to go to Germany. Unfortunately, I broke my hand while I was there, but it played in the better for me because at the end, while I was a holdover, I got to talk with my drill instructor at the time who had informed me, he's like, if you're wanting to really go to Germany, you can't go as an 11 Bravo. They don't really use them over there. They don't have them over there. Because that's like... They're on the front lines killing people. Yeah, isn't 11 Bravo like the... Yeah. See, yes, 11 Bravo. Maybe we have the numbers and letters. Yeah. Like we're, we we're have to learn about your number system because right. our rating okay. in the Navy is so different. Yeah. Okay. Google so helps. 11 Series is all infantry. Bravo is straight line unit. Charlie is your mechanized. Delta, which they don't have anymore, was the LURS unit. It's the reconnaissance patrol uh, teams. Hotel, they don't have any more. That was the tow fire missile. Uh, Mike is the mechanized, and that's the Bradley system. 11 infantry mechanized because they also had them in the 113s. Uh, a lot of it all changed over, and uh, they're on Bradleys and Strikers and stuff like that. But most of the infantry had all swapped now. They're all 11 Bravo, but you have specialized skill uh, set, which is I'm an 11 Bravo, but I have a skill identifier as Charlie. So, like, if we were to put mine on paper, you would see that 11 Bravo, 11 Bravo skill identifier, Mike, Charlie, Delta. So, okay. I, I'd i gotten to take all the schools, and I was a mechanized, I was a ground pounder, I was a mortarman, and I was lurse. So, that's... Well, can I just cheers to the 1100? Yeah, that resonates. I love my entry, guys. That's saying it right. Is it 1100 or 11s? No, it's 11 series. 11 series. 11 11 series. series. Cheers yep. to the 11 series in the Army. Right, right. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do. The drill sergeant had told me, he's like, if you, really want, if you really want to go to Germany, you would have to be mechanized because Germany is loaded with mech units. I said, well, what do I have to do? He said, well, I had a cast on my head at the time. I was able to attend the school. He said, you can go to Mike's school which with the other company, it's only two weeks long. You can go with them and then more than likely you would end up going to Germany because I was a holdover. You cannot go to your next duty station with a, a cast on your hand and on a profile. So they weren't going to release me to go to my unit until I, I got out of the cast. So that totally, so, completely worked that out. Totally played in my, that totally played in my favor. Awesome. Because a lot of my Just buddies went to, went to Hood. Right? Yeah. Just broken hand. Yeah. <laughs> Working in your favor. So, yeah, sure did. So I went to the school, and lo and behold, afterwards, you know, graduated. I ended up with orders. Hey, you're flying to Germany. Got there, was like, okay, let's see what the let's see what we're doing. Sure enough, they sent me to my first unit uh, within. Excuse me, I think it was hell. I think it was within 90 days. We ended up deploying to Macedonia in '94. That was that was a little rough. 
that was a, a rough trip. <laughs> yeah. Where is that? Where is that at? Okay, so. So I feel like such an uncultured swine. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. How old are you guys? <laughs> oh, I'm 37. Okay. I'm 34. Okay, see, I'm 45. So this is when I was a teenager. So do you guys, do you guys know the Balkans War? Yeah, the Balkans War? No. The Balkans. The Balkans War. Not, oh. not the Balkans. 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 The Balkans War. Yeah, the Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia, Kosovo, Albania, that whole region. What used to be even involved uh, Croatia. It, it used to be the Yugoslavia. The whole region was just Yugoslavia. Okay, I know Yugoslavia. <laughs> right. Well, they ended up having their wars and everything had uh, broken apart. And there was a there was a pretty shitty general that uh, decided to do ethnic cleansing in uh, Sarajevo in '94. So See, we in ended up. Past- I was eight. <laughs> yeah. Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, we um. We're on the Serbian uh, Macedonian border, uh, Serbian Bosnia. Yeah, the way it all met together, we are on the border. We are under UN. I guess <clears throat> we are working for the UN, still conducting NATO missions. So, and when the May market massacre kicked off, the Norwegians and the Danes all pulled from Macedonia, headed north up into Sarajevo to start providing help because there was already a, a large UN agency up there. And we ended up going with them, which was pretty darn cool. We got to, I was with the Nordbad. We went up there and ended up providing safe and secure movement for the people that were stuck in the apartment complexes because the, they say that the Serbians that were there were just shooting random people running through the street. It, it was pretty shit. But we went up there and was able to get a lot of people out of there and prevent i guess quite a few quite a few people from actually getting killed so trying to find it's it's an interesting photo 18 years old of baby face it was it was that uh, yeah if you find it we'll definitely throw it up on the social media for everyone yeah i know it's on my facebook somewhere (laughs) that's so while you're looking for it do you have a fun active duty story you can tell us uh, see it, it's so hard to just name one everyone uh, always has that problem i know i don't know if i can oh yes I'm you need kneeling to down us. yeah for sure that's, that's, a that's my team we uh i was actually taken september 29th 94 that was two days after my 19th birthday wow yeah, I, you know, I have a picture. There's very few from when I first joined the service, but I have one where I'm like standing mm-hmm. in front of a an old vintage warplane in like all my dress white, right. or no, they were the working whites in the working whites, and like, yeah, I was 18 and I looked like such a baby. Like I look back now, yeah. and I'm like, I celebrated. See, I celebrated my 19th birthday in boot camp. Ooh, yeah, you didn't time that very well. <laughs> nope. I, did, I did Christmas in boot camp. I did Christmas and my birthday in boot camp. I celebrated my 19th birthday in Vancouver. Fancy. Yeah. Well, you know where I spent my 19th birthday. 
<laughs> no. Cheers to the military on your 19th birthday. Yeah. I'm trying to remember a funny incident. I mean, there's just so many uh, odds and ends and yeah. weird things uh, that happen. And here's the thing with, with combat arms, especially like Marines and Army, we have such a weird, dark sense of humor. Oh, but it's my it's favorite. Just, I love that. Like, we're air traffic controllers, and we we have that dark sense of humor too, where we spend a lot of time in dark rooms with very few people, and so we kind of lose our mm -hmm. a little bit. Okay, well, so since you since you went with air traffic control, okay, so I'm so uh, excited about uh -oh. this. He's got an air traffic control story. <laughs> Here we go. No, no, no. no I, it, it's you know Air Force guys. We actually use air traffic control personnel when we were there and we had a, one of our guys having to I guess oh, he was <laughs> guiding the aircraft and whatnot with this because they were on the they were on the C5 above circling as as basically the helicopters were uh, being guided and how to pick up and sort so Easter Sunday of 1995 there was a plane that went down in Dubrovnik Croatia it had um, I think it was Secretary of Defense or Secretary of Treasure Ron Brown in it that plane went down. It was just south of Split, Croatia. It, it's it's kind of a sad story, but just the weird the weird things that happened in it were just kind of funny. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the personnel that uh, that were on board they they all passed, and we were tasked with uh, we met up with the uh, the SF team that was there because the seals jump on it were right right on it. One person lived through the crash, but she wasn't. Uh, able to be stabilized and died on the way out to the aircraft for medical care. Uh, so the SF team stayed, secured the location and area, took the, the airport. Uh, we showed up the following day, took over for the SF team, and we ended up with a large guard mount up on the crash. We had to bag up bodies and all the parts and everything, because as you know, Boeing, whenever an aircraft goes down, every bolt has to get picked up, boxed up so that they can bring it back, usually to Wichita, put it all back together. So we're there, and of course, we're finding all kinds of stuff on the ground, everything from a plane, you know, like guys wearing, you know, funny knitted hats that, you know, clearly of are a females, you know, walking around picking them stuff. It's like, that just looks fucked up. You know, just some of the weird stuff we would do. So I ended up finding like six packs of gum. I'm sitting there chewing it and passing along some and we actually had a Air Force E-8 with us and uh, some other like senior tech sergeant, airman that was there. And my buddy, Del Campbell, was standing up there talking with them. I walk up and say, hey, you guys want some gun? He's like, sure. And they're sitting there chewing it. And my buddy, Del Campbell's like, hey, we didn't have time to go to the shop. Like, Where'd you get this gun? I was like, oh, I found it over there. And of course, they're all like, you know when he come off a downed aircraft? Del Campbell's like, that's pretty good. But you know what? <laughs> kind, of, kind of lost his flavor. It's already dead. I was like, that's fucking funny. You know, it's, see, and that's what I'm talking about. We got that dark sense of humor where it's like, that's fucked up, but it's funny. That's a, that's so, a shirt. I got to mark this down. Yeah, put that down as a shirt. As a shirt? You can have like someone chewing gum yeah. with a bubble so and then saying flavor's already dead. Yeah. <laughs> So fucked up, but it's so we're, we're working on our merch line is what's happening. We're oh, okay. working on our merch line. And so when we are in 
an interview with someone and they say something that we think will make a great t-shirt, we are like logging the idea. So then okay. when we start pulling, when we, when we're a big enough podcast, cause I'm going to say when mm-hmm. we're going to make it, we are, we're going to start selling crazy shirts <laughs> that just, that's awesome. Our, this is um, idea number four. Yeah. Like our first one yeah. was from episode five and it's going to be just a chicken foot on, what is that cord? 1080 cord, whatever, whatever yeah. that cord is. 550 cord. 550 cord. Yeah. yeah. A chicken foot <laughs> on 550 cord and it's going to say, a dingo ate my chicken. Ate my chicken. When you listen to episode five, you'll know. Yeah, you'll totally get it. Right. You'll be like, oh, this is what they were talking about. Uh, well, or- it's it, it kind of goes inside with, uh, if, if you ever had to go to, uh, mountain survival course. They, you, you get to choose either a rabbit or a chicken. Uh, if you know that rabbits don't contain any type of nutritional value, you take the chicken. So you have to, you have to kill the chicken, pluck it, skin it, and everything. And you're eating everything off this chicken. If you've ever seen someone crack a bone and try and dig the marrow out to eat it because you're so hungry, this is some of the stuff you'll do. There's, there was a kid that decided to keep the chicken feet. And he wore them around his neck as a good luck charm with 550 cord. It's that funny that you said that. I, <laughs> that. That still reminded me of him doing that. Oh, my God. Oh, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Oh, Lord, that was, oh, oh, that, was, cool. that, was that was an interesting, yeah, that was some interesting times. Oh, man. So, yeah. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of Will's chicken feet, like, wrapped around his army buddy's neck. <laughs> and, and that's what it was. It was like just I can't wait kind of for Will to there. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, his friend. I, I'm his guessing friend. it was like his little trophy or something. <laughs> oh no, we're not giving away anything. You have to listen to episode. Five. Oh yeah, yeah, and okay. then it's gonna be so much. You're like your story is gonna be so much funnier once you hear that episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Start with five. <laughs> Yes, don't care about meeting us in episode one. Mm-hmm. Just go okay. right to five. <laughs> go right to five. Because your story and intertwines you with that one like so well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's glorious. All right. So as dark as our sense of humor can be and as much fun as we have in all the different things we do while we're in active duty, eventually we all have to get out. How was your transition from being military to being civilian wasn't wasn't exactly easy to be honest with you it was it was hard to get out of that mindset i guess it, it was just i guess it was kind of awkward going from from having that tight family that, that that straight up unity with guys to having nothing it was very it was very sad and it was very very depressing it was rough to leave that and because i'm not going to sit here and try and sugarcoat it 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 sucked so I left the military. Unfortunately, I left uh, premature because I, I wanted to stay. I blew out my knee to the point where they said, you cannot stay in your MOS. I ended up with what's called an, L, um, an L3 permanent, which is the lower portion of your body. It, there's a whole system of grading for your profile, which is your person. And I ended up with a permanent uh, lower level three profile, which is I want to say the highest you can go, which sucks, which means you are straight broke. I tore everything out of my knee. Base, I, I was told the best they could do 
they might be able to move me to a desk job, but nothing guaranteed, uh, which would mean even if I re-enlisted, I could be, I could end up medically chapter down, which I wasn't really wanting to do. I wanted to, I wanted to go ahead. At, at that point, I accepted it. I was like, you know what, get out. I'm going to move on. Uh, I'm not going to let it slow me down because the reason I had gotten in in the first place was to kind of fill that age gap between 18 and 21 because I wanted to pursue law. So I got out and I started working at a juvenile detention center. I did that for a year and ended up going to the county and worked as a a corrections officer at the county jail with hopes of um, moving up and getting into patrol and being a police officer. is something that when I was 17, I had set goals, things I wanted to accomplish, and then getting into law enforcement, SWAT, and becoming a, a detective and, and all that stuff is something I really wanted to pursue and accomplish. So I did the corrections officer thing, and then while I was doing that, my National Guard unit was deploying. Thus, they came up and said, wait a second, you're you're not supposed to be in the guard. You have a high disability rate. I said, yeah, but you guys need the numbers. And they're like, well, you have a choice of either ride this out and get out, or you'd have to sign a medical waiver for you to go. Said, show me the signature or show me the line. I'll give me a pen. So I ended up getting cleared by a, a, a colonel who she signed off on my paperwork, medical cleared. You're, you know, the, uh, risk and everything, you know, go ahead. Because I had been to the Balkans so many times. This was my second trip to Kosovo, my sixth time in that region. So, because I did Macedonia, <clears throat> Macedonia, Croatia, Bosnia twice, in Kosovo in 99, and now I was going to Kosovo again in 2000. And I did my time in Kosovo, didn't have any issues with it, but of course I was barred from reenlistment. I couldn't stay in, I couldn't you know, progress. So I had to get out. That hurt even more because I, I no longer even had the National Guard because getting out of active, having those pals, those buddies, those brothers. And then I went to National Guard, which, okay, I see my brothers once a weekend, once a month. And then having that taken from you, it, it kind of led me into a depression. And when I got back from that deployment, I, I don't want to say I hit like a rock bottom, but it was, it was pretty bad. I was taking medication. And I ended up saying hell with the medication. And I took a, a phone call from a buddy of mine who needed a team leader in Afghanistan. And I went ahead and I, I jumped on that plane and, and went over. And there was uh, a lot of things that happened while I was there. I was part of uh, international narcotics and law enforcement. My job was to train up the Afghan commandos, they call them, we call them their SRT or QRF or whatever you want to call it, basically taught them how to go through a shoot house, not shoot each other, uh, and then not shoot me. Just so that we understand, when you jumped on the plane to Afghanistan, you went over as a civilian contractor? Yes. Okay. I went over working for the State Department under International Narcotics and Law Enforcement. Okay. I, I I was first going over as a... Uh, it was supposed to be on a cut team, which was doing poppy eradication. It was the, called the PEP, Poppy Eradication Program. But shortly after being arriving there, they did away with the program. So I was asked if I wanted to sit in the arms room, still get paid the same pay, or if I wanted to go operational. So I didn't come here to sit in a, in a, you know, 
sit in their arms room all day. That You're I, not I, I the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> do I look like do I look like I'm chairboard now? <laughs> oh, bless the Air Force so, heart. Oh, I love the Air Force. They gave us rides anytime we needed to go fight some war. Right? <laughs> yeah. Here's to the Air Force, the best Uber driver out there. <laughs> Straight the up call them the Uber driver. That's awesome. The Navy totes the Marines pretty well. That's true, they do. True story. But it appears the Air Force is a better Uber driver than we could ever be. Oh, no, they are 100% because we are. And they have the best chow halls. They're like the, what is the upgraded Uber, like the luxury Uber ride? Yeah. The one that costs like five times more. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's like when they show up with a slicked out Tahoe. Yeah. That's what it is. All you wanted was the Prius. Yeah. You got bumped (laughs) up. The naval ship is like a Prius. (laughs) (laughs) Clunking along. (laughs) Hey, but we still get you where you need to go. There you go. It just takes about four months and three breakdowns. (laughs) Sounds like army equipment. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I ended up, I was training personnel over in Afghanistan. You know, like I had said, there was, there was a, there's a lot of depression issues and a lot of other stuff going on. But when, when you think you're, you're kind of in that, you know what, I don't give a fuck anymore. Just whatever happens, happens. Never intentionally trying to put yourself in harm or, or anyone else. The last thing I'd want is someone else to get, get hurt over something stupid. When somebody tries to take your life when you don't want it, it, it kind of wakes you up and you have a new found feeling for life. There was a couple instances that happened that made me really appreciate life. And right at the end, I lost three really good friends in one, uh, in one attack up in, <clears throat> up in the Kunar province. And basically after that, it was one of those, you need to live life to the fullest. No one, no one can, can beat this stuff or, or take on a fight like that, talking about depression and anxiety. No one can take that on alone. So see the doctors, talk with the therapists, take your meds, do what you have to do. But just kind of saying, fuck it, and letting life come and go when there's so many people that would trade places with you in a heartbeat to be alive again, that you, you can't just, you can't take it for granted anymore. You have to go on. And live your life, do do a good job, do something with it. Because, like I said, there's other people that would would love to be there. If you, you know, if you're if you feel you're wasting away your your life and doing nothing, think about those that you lost, close friends of yours, and would they be proud of what you're doing? So, and that's that's kind of how I looked at a lot of things after I got back. Was, you know, would Travis like this? Would Hank like that? Would would be baller David? What would they say? Because uh, actually. Sergeant Harganosh and uh, Sergeant Paul, good friends of mine, uh, we were talking. They were state troopers, and we carried out conversations because I wanted to be a cop, and that's what interested me. And they were like, "Dude, that you know, here's some of the things. This and this." I was like, "Cool, you know, I really want to." And sure enough, um, my wife actually got a call saying that um, the Fort Riley Police Department was offering me a position. And she's like, you need to call back. We need to, you know, so I did a phone interview and lo and behold, they wanted to hire me. I was like, cool. Yes. All right. You know, maybe this is meant to be. So I got on that and 
the good thing is they were all veterans. And, and I guess I think that's what helps me most is I'm, I, I've stayed around people that are like-minded. I live right outside the gates of Fort Riley, Kansas. I work on post. I, I'm surrounded by soldiers and veterans. We're all kind of like-minded. So some of the some of the crazy stuff that if you don't live anywhere near military installation or a very, very small population of veterans, they just don't get it like a military town. You know what I'm saying? I think living in Texas, the respect that Texans have, I mean, and not just for this country, not for just the state, but but as a veteran, Texas, you don't have to be in a military town when you live in Texas. Texas is um, one of the most veteran-friendly places I've ever lived. They really are. And I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not from here. I'm from New York. But living here, and I'm not anywhere near military bases. I'm in East Texas. Fort Hood is Central Texas. When Amanda's here, I mean, she's close to me, then closer than she would be to Fort Hood also. Mm-hmm. But just being in being in Texas, but I completely get that because I've lived, I've actually, since I have been in though, like I was in San Diego and then I moved to North Carolina near Jacksonville, which is Marines. And so I don't think I've ever, since I've been in, never have been in a place that wasn't military friendly and understand that. And, but where I'm at now, I don't, there's not military people that, I don't have veterans living across the street from me. I don't work with veterans. I mean, I know veterans, but Texas is super. If you can't live in a military town or someone or a place that's familiar with military, just come to Texas and you can live wherever you want. (laughs) Cheers to Texas. I will cheers to Texas. (laughs) So how are you doing now, John? Okay. So I did a few years with law enforcement. And I accomplished quite a bit. I, uh, when I left Afghanistan, I got onto the police department, um, which one of the lieutenants, he found out my background, my military background, what I used to do and everything. And him and the team commander, I don't want to say begged me, but they asked me numerous times, hey, so when are you going to come to trials? When are you going to come to trials to get on the, uh, basically, it's called, it's called the SRT. It's a special response team, but it's also, it's the same as SWAT. So I want to say probably about four or five months. And, and the thing was, I, I had straight told my wife, I was like, look, I need, you know, I promise you I'll stop with all the adrenaline junkie bullshit. Because she's like, you jump on everything. That's, you are a fucking adrenaline junkie. You love that stuff. I was like, yeah, it's true. I do. I love that stuff. And it's honestly, I, I was almost getting to the point where it was at an imbalance with my brain. I, I loved doing, you know, some of that shit where people are like, oh, hell no. Yeah, live life to the fullest, damn it. Let's go. So I joined the SWAT team, did all the schooling I could, injured my knee again. Oh, no. Um, but I ended up being, I, I got to the instructor level. I ended up being uh, one of the senior members. Uh, I earned my senior operator badge. I earned um, my federal firearms instructor cert- uh, certification, um, small unit tactics, uh, active shooter school certificate, you know. I, I soaked Uncle Sam for all kinds of schools and training and ended up, you know, reaching a lot of a lot of goals that I wanted to do. Unfortunately, I think it was an election year or whatever it was. <clears throat> the budget started running down, so of course 
you know, hey, we need to get rid of things. And the civilian police department was one of the things they were getting rid of our post. So it was dwindling down. A lot of guys ended up getting jobs elsewhere. I said, I just wanted to be a cop. I joined the local police department here. And I didn't like the way I seen how a lot of the police officers treated me. That's not what I was about. I enjoy being the guy there when someone needs help. I I enjoy being the person that I'm quick with ideas to come up with. All right, this is how we're going to solve this problem. This is how this is going to go. We can do this. You know, someone's having a, just the most horrific incident going on that they've ever had. And here I show up. I'm calm, cool, and collected because I've been through this training. I've had this done before, or I, I did this last week, whatever. Having someone like that show up, that's the person I enjoyed being, not the, hey, I'm going to try and violate this guy's rights because he's been arrested before on a possession charge, not not the person I really wanted to work for or with. So I decided to leave that. I went and worked at uh, the Fort Riley Ranges. All right, so uh, the Army base, we have all the different ranges for your military vehicles. You have to come up and you have to shoot at least once every six months. You have to stay on your qualifications, and these are some really big ranges. Well, someone has to put in all the program, all the all the scenarios, everything has to get programmed in computer. Someone has to build targets, all this stuff. Well, they hire guys like us that have had the range experience, and we do that. I jumped on that, did that for like four years, loved it because you're working outside, you're working with people that you enjoy, busting each other's balls left and right because, well, we're veterans, and that's what we do, and, and had a great time. Unfortunately budget cut again because that was contract i ended up getting I, I was on the line to get fired and it wasn't laid off because they were losing the contract and it was you know getting switched over so i'm like well shit got offered a job as a va police officer jumped on that it's like yes get back in what we call the system because once you once you work for uncle sam your years add up Anytime you work for Uncle Sam, those years start going together. I don't know if you understand how the, the government, I don't know if any of you guys are, are DOD employees or DA employees. I work for the state. Like that. Yeah, she works okay. for the state of Texas. So, and I have some really good friends who, who work in the DOD system, so I'm familiar with it as well. Yeah. So once you get in it, you don't ever want to leave it. That's that's kind of the thing. So I ended up getting back into the system by working for the VA or the hospital. Loved some of the people I work with, everyone that was lieutenant and below was great. By the time I left, everyone above lieutenant was being investigated for all kinds of stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not dealing with you guys. I got offered a job working closer to home because at, at this point I was driving sixty six miles from door to door. From my front door to the front door of the VA every day. Yeah, it was it was not easy. And they they didn't really want to work with you much as far as trying to adjust things, for instance. Um and we were always short, always shorthanded. People would call out and, hey, well, someone has to stay. Well, I can't stay. You're, you're pulling a 16-hour shift whether you like it or not. And, and it was like, well, this kind of sucks. Yeah. You got paid well. hour shift really turns into like 18 or 19 by the time you account for your commute. That's a long Yeah. Time. Well, at that point, what, what I had to do, so there was a couple times where I got stuck doing that. What I would do is I would go and get the um, like the doctor's uh, sleep room or whatever I'd go up because I'm I'm working overnight till eight o'clock in the morning. I'm going getting like six hours of sleep so that I can be back at work at two in the afternoon. 
Yeah. And I'd have to call watch that like, look, hey, this is what happened. I got stuck. It sucked. And there's nothing I can do about it. So, but. Having that mentality, though, that's something, though, that they knew, like, why you were so horrible and why people look at veterans when you're getting jobs. Because that's Mm -hmm. something to where, like, it's going to happen and you're going to make it happen, even if you don't want it to happen. Because as someone in the military, I mean, you, you do what you do because you don't have a choice. I mean, technically, did you have a choice? Yes. But... I guarantee you when they're interviewing you for that position and they see you're a veteran and what you did and where you've been, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're hiring this guy because when it comes down to working doubles, he's not going to let us down. Right. And honestly, I think what it is, is they'll, they'll use your integrity against you. Yeah. Um, yes. Because. Oh, yeah. They, they know darn well. You know that they cannot have less than two personnel. You have to have two officers there at this location the whole time. It was horrible that they thought that, you know what, instead of us always having three with a minimum, the minimum requirement is two. So why would you schedule it and make it only two? Why wouldn't you have it normally three? That was their mentality. This was their way of saving money, which I hated. But uh, even when you offered to, uh, so if someone was taking leave or vacation, oh, now we got to figure out how we can change the schedule and somebody can work. Hey, look, I can pull four hours, but I'm not going to pull eight. Well, we don't, we don't pull just four hours. So it's like, well, then good luck find somebody else because I'm not doing it. Well, if you're not here, I was like, I got shit to do. I got things going on. I will leave this place. And, and towards the end there, the major, he, he kind of knew, I'm not playing games with you. I, you know what? If, if this happens, I will leave you. But honestly, if it came down to it, I know darn well in my heart, I, I wouldn't leave it. I could not leave one of my, one of my partners you know, stuck there on his own. I just, I couldn't do it. I know darn well I couldn't. Right. But the, the, and the threat of me saying it sometimes it was that. They knew you couldn't do it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely, they would use my integrity against me, which kind of sucked. But, but now I work back at the range. I'm under, I work for the government. I'm a wage grade employee. I work for, I have four guys, four guys still on my team. I have a great time. The, the guys are all older than me. But just we bust each other's chops all the time. I mean, just the, the weirdest and stupidest of stuff. Like we try and gag each other out of the truck by Portman. You know, that's just <laughs> us. That's, you know, that's just disgusting. And that's one of those, oh, oh, man, oh, <coughs> you know, just, it's funny. Um, you know, like, oh, I guess we're going to have to blow the windows down. Good. You know, now we have a rule that you have to call no shit in the truck. So <laughs> that's what it is. That's what happens it's when you put little stuff we do together to work. <laughs> it is, it is, and and there's numerous times where, and and we'll do it on purpose, depending on what units up there in the tower conducting their their qualifications, and everything. There's someone up in the tower that will uh, oversee everything. We'll do it on purpose. Where we'll come up, we'll you know we'll blow ass in the uh, tower and be like, all right, y'all have to go and take care and leave. And the guy who's sitting behind the desk is like, I know exactly what they just did. Now that's so fantastic. That's you know, and that's that's a book of That's That's, you know, working in an air traffic control tower. Exactly. So, yep. I think I think I feel like I've had that happen a few times. 
Oh yeah. If you, if you work in a, in a closed environment space, because you're talking to airplanes, you can't like react. (laughs) It's horrible. Yeah. If you ain't ever sat up in a tower and haven't been crop dusted, you ain't lived. I mean, I'm (laughs) just talking about it. Cheers to crop dusting. Crop dusting. (laughs) (laughs) Veterans way of life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do that shit in Walmart all the time and be like, I'll move forward, and then my wife be like, "Damn, Johnny! Like, <laughs> told you, hurry up, let's go! I told you, let's go!" <laughs> so, Your wife must be a saint. <laughs> I tell you what, she is. She is straight up my rock. I love this woman to death. She has been through so much with me. Well, we we actually met. I actually got a tattoo on my chest uh, recently. It was the day I met my wife and the day I met my son. Uh, or the date and the and the place, so I I got the the date and the grid coordinates. Oh, that's cool. Um, so she was a cheerleader on the football team that I played for in Germany. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I played semi pro while I was there. For the times I went in the field and deployed, I actually you know played football. Which you're which just a whole crop of uh, surprises there, John. We need pictures. Oh, I did all kinds of stuff. Too. We have to have that's pictures. Right. Yeah. I know you got one in your football uniform. Yeah, um, that one. I got one where we're together. Trying to think where I where I put it. I know it's in here. I've had it as one of my wallpapers, but it just I just changed. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, she was captain of the yeah, she was captain of the cheerleading team. I was uh, captain on the football team. Well, she I call her Jamaican. 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 Yeah. So her mom was her mom straight German from the. She's right there by the Belgian border. And her dad was an American retiree who stayed in Germany. So they were actually here in Kansas. She went to kindergarten, I think it was. Right? Was it kindergarten that you went to up there in Forsyth? Yeah. So it was kindergarten she went to. And then from there, they moved back to Germany. And she went all through her German schooling there. All through her schooling in Germany. She just happened to be in Germany when you were in Germany. She was there because her dad was stationed in Germany and retired and stayed there. And her dad was the coach of the football team. <laughs> and that's where we met was was on that. That's beautiful. So and it was it was funny too because I told her I was like, No, I can't date you. You're the coach's daughter. There's no way I can date you. But then yet at the same time, Mm, you're the captain of the cheerleading team. That's you know, come on. How it's supposed to work? Every guy's like, yeah. Every every guy's like, yeah. The captain of the cheerleading team. You know, that's supposed to be. Where did I put that picture? Clipboard. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. Oh, that's amazing. All right. So, if you had yeah. any advice for veterans, either getting ready to become veterans or struggling to find their way now, what would that be? Okay, so my suggestion to, I guess, guys getting out and becoming veterans. Oh, oh my so God. That's you amazing. have to send a picture to you. That's so yeah, lovely. I'll, I'll submit these pictures and send them to you in an email so that you have the, awesome. the pictures. Like I said, I, I've got to look and find find some good ones. Yeah, um, I lo- you've got some great pictures. I've only, I've only got a few. And the ones I have are pretty good. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's all that counts sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So my suggestion would be be patient. Be very patient with your your upcoming and newfound life. 
don't take anything for granted. Things will come, but you have to work on them. It's not going to be easy, but it's not going to kill you. The old saying that we always had was embrace the suck. It's going it, to, this is probably going to be really horrible. It's going to be really bad. Things aren't going to go your way. Accept it and, and, and learn to adapt to it. And before you know it, you'll, you'll, you'll feel better, better about it. You'll, uh, you'll, you'll find your way. You'll, you'll make your way to that goal that you're trying to get to. You'll make your way out of, of the shit. It'll become a lot better. But embrace or, or get used to it just being kind of shitty because it's going to for a little bit. Not too many people walk out of the army and step into a great life. It's just very rare. Be prepared to work hard. Be prepared for things not to go your way. If you're not in a military town, be prepared for things to really be out of the norm for you and for others around you. Unless you're like, in Texas. Yes, unless you're in Texas, because everybody <laughs> loves, you know, everybody know, loves so, like even, even in Texas, it's still difficult on some aspects as far as okay. losing that support system and the camaraderie and mm -hmm. all of that. Like I, that's it is, and, and it can be it can be really lonely when you yeah. lose all that. But don't you know that's that's where you be, you have to look at it as all right, all right this is going to be a new chapter. I need to find new friends and new things, hobbies, you know, something different because nothing is going to be like it was in the military. You're not going to have the same friends. You're not going to have the same stuff you enjoyed doing. You know, you might find friends that like to go to the range. So be it. That's you know if that's your thing. I love you know piecing together firearms and tweaking and adjusting things and going out to the range and shooting. I love doing, I, I love showing other people some of your basic, I, I guess your, your, your rifle skills and, and just, Hey, this is how you could do it. You could tweak it. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just saying if you're willing to try this, try this. I mean, do it this way, try and, you know, change your stance, lean into it, stop leaning back whenever you shoot, lean forward. So just be patient with your newfound life as a, as a veteran, don't, don't rush into it thinking everything's going to be hunky dory. Be prepared for, you know, that frago, as we'd like to say in the, in the military. Hey, frago, this just popped. Oh, shit, that sucks. Yeah, it is. But things will come and things will get better. And you always hear success stories of, you know, a brand new veteran owned company that is putting out, you know, a great product and uh, a veteran veterans helping veterans. I, I've got tons of friends that have been involved with different I'm trying to think a buddy of mine that retired and he's in veteran uh, veteran serving veterans. Uh, he's down in Kentucky. Um, he actually just got his Kentucky Colonel, which I, I'm not sure how that works, but that's kind of a big deal down there. Uh, he retired out as an E7 and they boast about how they've uh, put so many people into the workforce and have gotten paychecks for these people upwards of like $3 million. These guys are not getting, you know, shitty flipping burgers at Burger King job. They're putting them in good, uh, good jobs that use their skills that they acquired in the military to good use. So, you know, when getting out, make sure you're, you're able to sell yourself work on your resume there's programs out there that will help you write the resume that you need that can convert all your military lingo into civilian resume form use yeah, them that's hard um, there's so many programs out there i've used them um quite a bit i've used everything 
use your assets. They're there for you. Use them. Don't take any of that shit for granted. Um, and if you're having if you're having tough times, uh, having a rough time, there's there's always someone to call. There's always I've I've told many of my brothers, look, um, it it hits all of us, and that's why I, I've got I've got my tattoo. I would rather gorgeous listen to tattoo. three hours. Huh? A gorgeous tattoo. Yeah, I would rather listen to three hours of the shit you're going through than 15 minutes of your eulogy. Any day. Call someone. Things happen to all of us. We all fight demons. That's what you have battles for. So call your battle buddy. Don't take it all on your own. Seek help when needed. It's okay sometimes to not be okay. That's that's why some of us are on medication. You know what? I'm happy we got the dose drive. I'm happy I'm doing I'm doing a whole lot better. Cause like I said, things weren't weren't going great. Now I'm I'm super happy. I, I can't complain about the things that are going on in my life. That is great to hear. So if people that are listening want to contact you, maybe they have some questions or need some advice, where can they reach you? The hell uh, I guess you can you can email me. It's uh John underscore Hornbaker at Yahoo. Got questions, got things. Dude, I, I'd love to get something other than spam mail. So, <laughs> so I, just I might not. Email when you listen to this, while y'all are hearing this, write down John underscore Hornbaker. Send him some email so he can get something besides spam. Yeah, just, just say hey to him. You don't even have to need him. He needs you. Send him an email. <laughs> I need someone to say hey. I need some friends. That's what it is. Y'all. Y'all write me, just say, hey, you know, and, and I might not have the best of advice. I might not have, you know, the, the best, but I love pointing people in the right direction. I love sharing experiences that I've had and saying, hey, this is some of the things that I that works for me. You could try that. So. All right, Amber, do you want to discuss the charity that we've chosen to support this episode? Sure. So similar to every other episode and until further notice, um, when another charity comes along, we are supporting the Tilvahala Project and their mission of bringing about mental health awareness like we are in 22 a day. Um, they can be found online at Tilvahala Project. I have my bracelet. We ordered shirts, long sleeve shirts. I have a short yes. sleeve shirt from them. Already. Oh, they just had a Veterans Day special too. It was a bundle. I ordered that too. It was like a t-shirt, some bracelets and the dog tags for like 50% Sweet. off. It might still be going on. You should check it out. I'm poor and I'm poor. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, but, um, but Tilvahala Project is our chosen charity. If you are interested in checking them out, check them out online. And a portion of our any of our merch sales, stickers, koozies, T-shirts, a portion of that does go to Tilvahala Project. If you'd like to contact Amber or myself, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email at what Amanda said, veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail, or you can DM us on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. By leaving us a review, you help the algorithms. Did I say that right? Al- algorithm? You said that algorithm. Algorithm. The podcast Albert. Al- the podcast yes. algorithms to promote our podcast and that way more veterans have the opportunity to listen that might not know about it. Plus we like that constructive criticism. We do. We want to know how we're doing and how we can be better. You can also join us every Sunday for veterans after hours via zoom at at 7 PM central standard time. We hang out, tell stories, share resources and meet new friends. If you haven't been to one, it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm learning to behave myself. <laughs> yes, we're just toning it down a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> but a little thanks. bit. Let's hang out. If you are ever wondering, if you are not a veteran, you are welcome to join us and you will get an uncensored view of what it's like when you put a bunch of veterans together. Yes. And if you're active duty, you can come on too. Yep. We like you too. Everybody. Everybody. But in all seriousness and, and bringing it back to to why Amanda and I are doing this, we do want to, to reinstate the fact that 22 veterans killing themselves a day is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.